You're listening to a podcast from 702. On 702. 10 to 4. Another story I mentioned on Friday was of one pollster, a company here in, in, in South Africa, that correctly predicted both Trump's victory and Brexit. So, and this discussion has been going on ever since, of course, the US elections, uh, people also taking it as far as further back as the UK elections and Brexit, etc. About how is it possible that pollsters are getting uh, this information so wrong, their predictions so wrong? But there's a small number of them that got it correct. And among the few that got it, that got it right is a new industry player using a different method. It's a South African firm called Brands Eye. And apparently it analyzes social media posts. And we're on the line now to the CEO and co-owner of Brands Eye, JP Kloppers. He's in Cape Town. Uh, let's get JP on the line. JP, good afternoon to you. Hi, yes, great to chat to you. Oh, nice talking to you, hey? So everyone is talking about what has JP got right that so many other pollsters got wrong? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a question I've, I've answered many, many times over the past few days. Uh, I, I think, you know, we probably got it right because we're not a polling company. We're, we're a software company. And as we see in many industries, software kind of disrupting traditional industries, our ability to use kind of our magic source, if you like, to measure consumer sentiment enabled us to read the mood on the ground in the U.S. in a way that polls struggled to do. And because we could do that at scale and at speed, it meant it gave you know, us, a South African company, better insights uh, using social media than what polls were, were able to, to do in the U.S., Fantastic. All right, let's just talk about this methodology then. How different is it from the traditional polling methods of calling people up and asking them for their opinions? So it's, it's, it's radically different. So we, we use social media uh, where we, at, on the front end, use an, a very sophisticated search engine to track across the Internet whenever somebody mentions Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or Clinton or Democrats or Republicans, we'll track all of that. So to give you an idea, it's 37 million conversations is what we tracked in the U.S. So the, the, the kind of base of data is massive compared to what any polling company is, is able to do. Uh, the, the challenge with it is it's just messy. You know, this is just every person and their dog saying whatever they want to about anything under the sun. And if it mentions Trump or Clinton, we find it. Mm. And so the challenge from that point is how do you make sense of it? And that's, that's where our, we use a kind of a combination of machine learning and crowdsourcing to create these bespoke algorithms that understand at a very specified level, so in, the, in this case the U.S. elections, uh, what's relevant. So we have actual real people around the world who get paid to verify small pieces of information. And so even on a conversation like that, we can make sense at scale how people feel because these are real people who who kind of train our algorithms is this relevant to the elections and secondly what's the real sentiment contained in this text is this somebody who's saying they're pro-trump or anti-clinton or the other way around and so what once we have data kind of segmented into that into that structure we can then infer a poll from it because we know accurately across these 37 million people how do they actually feel about these candidates and once we can measure that feeling, we can then see, all right, which is more? Is it is Trump winning or is Clinton winning? Hmm. Um, and, uh, and it was at that point that we started seeing, hang on a second, social media is telling a very different story to what uh, kind of traditional media and traditional polling is, is showing in that I think they're underestimating 
just not only the pro-Trump sentiment, but the vastness of the anti, anti-Hillary Clinton sentiment. Wow. So the other complicating factor, and traditional media and traditional pollsters are citing this, is that it's difficult to know the turnout. How do you how do you use this 37 million conversation that you talk uh, conversations that you're talking about, and uh, together with the uh, possibility of a turnout? So I, th- I think that's where we're lucky with the kind of law of large numbers, uh, because our, our sample is so big. Uh, compared to a polling company, it mitigates somewhat the risk of the turnout. It's it's always a worry, and we were just as worried beforehand, possibly for a different reason, because our, bear in mind, our sample is people who are speaking about the election, so we can't read the undecideds who are not engaging, and we weren't sure about the Hispanic vote, which, as we know, played a big role. Mm. Uh, it, it turned out it wasn't the role that everybody was thinking, you know, and we, we weren't sure how big an influence was that going to play. What we were confident of off the back of Brexit is that this view matters. You know, how people feel matters and how people feel, if you can measure it, it gives an indication of what they're going to decide in the future. You know, that's, that's our bread and butter is helping brands understand consumer sentiment so they can predict, you know, are people going to leave us? Are they going to go to a competitor? And it's no different in an election. You know, a, a politician is essentially just another brand. And so being able to measure that helps. The undecided, though, and the turnout, I think what we saw in Brexit is that people underestimated the volume of people who are going to turn out for the leave votes. And we saw the same thing in the U.S. election. So we, we kind of suspected that if anybody was going to be complacent, it was going to be the, the, the kind of traditionally Democrat party thinking we've got it in the bag. doesn't matter if I don't go out and vote. And it appears that something like that did play out. I haven't seen all the kind of actual data post the election, but certainly in the turnout numbers that I've seen, mm. it felt like less Democrats came out and voted than, than the pollsters expected. Gee. And you've just alluded to this, that your, your, your main client is actually just the brand, not just politics, not governments, not elections, but brands. Yeah, I think we, we've got kind of three categories. We work a lot with brands, you know, brands like the Ubers, the big banks, the telcos of the world to try and understand it. Then we work with strategic agencies, so management consultants like Deloitte, where we help them understand the issues affecting their clients. And then we do work with quite a lot of governments around the world who use our tool, not for elections, but more to measure how their policies are being and how their service delivery is kind of being received by a population. Uh, and that's quite, a, quite a, a big part of our business is this kind of always on understanding why people are frustrated. Because if you can understand that, then you can come up with both better policies and plans and strategies to meet the population where they're at. And predicting the customer, predicting the consumer is, is big business. Um, I read in one article that it's actually the, the, the polling industry, opinion research industry is a $20 billion industry. Yeah. Um, so, so that would have uh, given you quite a, an, an interesting injection and an interesting lift. Uh, and everyone is calling through now saying, wait, JP, assist us here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our phones have, have just not stopped. But I, I think it's a good sign, you know. We, we don't want to replace the polling industry. We want to empower them to do better work in the future. And I think by com- combining the two, you know, we, we provide a view which is helpful, but it's not the whole picture. And so I think our technology is going to enable polling companies to do better polling in the future because, I mean, let's be honest, we're, we're not a political commentating business. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it was pretty nerve-wracking for me going onto BBC TV to say, this is what we're seeing in our data, knowing full well it might not be the whole picture. <laughs> but I think w w what it's shown the world is that social media has come of age and that unless you have the right tools to measure it, uh, you, you just won't come out with the right answer, you know, and that, that's been the big kind of value for us through all of this. You see, it, but it's interesting because there's also this argument that, um, you know, people talk a lot on social media, but when it comes to acting, um, it's, you know, they don't follow it through as much as they talk about it on social media. Look, I think in the short term, that's true. But I mean, I often speak to our clients and kind of bring it back to a human level to say, if you are with your wife and she's kind of complaining that you're not spending enough time at home, she won't leave you immediately. But if you don't listen, eventually she will. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it's, it's similar with a political party or a brand. They might not act in the short term. They might, you know, it might take them a while to leave. But unless you address the underlying frustration point for them, it is just a matter of time. Good to talk to you, JP. All of the very best to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, fantastic. All right. JP Kloppers, then is Chief Executive Officer and Co-Owner of a company called Brands Eye. If you've used them, uh, please let me know on 011 A lot of you talking about them on my Twitter timeline. Uh, he's joining us on the line from Cape Town.